This is an RFP Extra. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of an RFP Extra. Coming to you from quarantine in the great state of Virginia. It's Brian Edwards in Danville, Virginia. Good to see you, buddy. Coming from Lookout Valley at the Holiday Inn Express, day number what? Seven of quarantine? Day number eight, eight. I think. Yes. I've day lost number count. eight of quarantine. It is Nathan Cravat. And from my kids' schoolroom with Groves Homeschool Higher Education <laughs> here in Ringgold, Georgia, I'm JC. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, guys, I got to be honest with you this, uh, this quarantine is driving me nuts. Speaking of Ringgold, Georgia, I heard yeah. you had your first case there today. They did. They just they just announced it. Evidently, it was some kid that went to Disneyland. You know what? Here, here's the deal. People are losing their ever-loving mind about yes. this kid <laughs> because his ev- evidently his mom and dad now have it, and she, she works at our post office here. She has not been at the post office. There are so many people losing their mind. She's touched our mail and all this stuff is going around. I'm telling you, it's it's unreal how people freak out and say the craziest things, man. I, I think if we stay in this quarantine much longer, we're going to start turning on each other like craziness. Yeah, I think we're going to lose our minds. You know, I just went to the grocery store tonight. Not one mm. loaf of bread, not one piece of meat, not anything anywhere man and and it's like hand sanitizer rubbing alcohol all that is permanently out of stock i've gotten so paranoid at this point somebody coughed on tv and i went and got (laughs) hand sanitizer (laughs) (laughs) that's funny i uh did you wear rubber gloves and a face mask when you went to the store absolutely not i walked right in and uh didn't touch anything use my phone to uh type in my keypad you know, on the keypad. And then as I was leaving, I got some of the sanitation wipes and, uh, and, you know, I think, I think when I took my shirt off, they were a little offended, but I, I basically wiped down completely and totally. <laughs> you got everything. And, uh, yeah. I feel good now. I'm not going to lie. I went, I'm, a, I'm, I don't know if y'all know this. I'm the, I'm a major germaphobe even before all this happened. I mean, I washed my hands probably 15, 20 times a day. Like what? I, I've never, oh, I've known you for 20 years. I never knew that about you. hundred percent. You ask anybody at my church, we have been <laughs> fist bumping as a, as a sign of welcome at my church since we started. I got senior citizens that'll walk in and fist bump me. We got this little old lady. She's almost, almost 90 walks in with her little frail hand and fist bumps me. Cause I just, I, I, I say <laughs> greet each other with a holy fist bump or a high elbow. You know, I did it one time. I was like, let's give each other a chest bump you know and come on in for that so but I, uh, I actually wore rubber gloves down the food line the other day and uh people are looking at me strange and then I got home and my wife was like did you wear those into the store I was like yeah you bet you I did did Billy Graham have a quiet time come on I'm gonna wear those in there and look at here now we have a confirmed case in Ringgold so hey you were you're as happy as a beaver in a redwood forest um <laughs> but you know here's the deal I've always been a germaphobe really bad like I'm also a hypochondriac which works out really good because if in your mind you already have everything then you never catch anything but um (laughs) it really works i'm being honest but i've always been a you know a huge germaphobe and when i visit the hospital they laugh at me because you know they have that foamy hand sanitizer and so i get it i wipe my hands down and then i get another palm full of it and i literally snort it up my nose it burns like fire but i don't get sick you snort what up your nose? 
the the foamy hand sanitizer. Right, that's a that's a whole other level of strange right there, man. Oh my goodness, that's that's awesome, like a TLC man. show, my it. strange addiction. <laughs> well, I'm strange on so many levels, you have no idea. I think this episode episode should be called Brian's Strange Addictions, and we should just interview Brian. Well, hey, here's the funny thing: I don't like lemon, and I get my water with lemon. So I can wipe down my silverware with the lemon because it's a natural purifier. Oh, now, I will goodness. tell you this. Have you seen that's that Facebook awesome. thing that's going around that's got the guy with, like, the messed up mouth, and it said every time you eat a fork at a restaurant, just remember it's probably been in somebody's mouth like this. Oh, Dude, yeah. I'm telling you, I use plastic from here on out. Like, yeah. Whew. I worked <laughs> Forget at Cracker the sea turtles. I, <laughs> I worked at Cracker Barrel. I was a par four. I am never – I know how they clean their dishes there. No, I guess no it's, shame a, on Cracker Barrel, it's a good thing there are no restaurants open in Ringgold right now. Yeah, and the way that we look, especially Nate and I, it's probably a good thing. So I've just kind of gone out the window with shaving. So I'm, I, haven't, I haven't had hair on my head in, what, almost 13 years. So I'm growing it out. Man, boys, I got a cul-de-sac. It is great. Like, you, it is, it's going all the way around, but nothing on top. It's unreal right now. What do you mean how Nathan looks? I mean, what? I don't know how to take well, that. <laughs> just sitting here looking at you, I mean, you're in quarantine, so you're cutting your own hair, and you have a mustache. Like, that's a pretty interesting look going there. I've always had a mustache. Yeah. With you a know, beard to go with it. I just, <laughs> just <laughs> my beard off. <laughs> hey, but the scary thing is, like, Nathan's been in quarantine now for eight days. He has now shaved his face somehow it ended up with a mustache now he's cut his own hair tomorrow he's not going to have any eyebrows i mean that's the only thing he's got left hey i got half of the haircut done today and i just got tired of it it is not done it looks i don't know if y'all can see it it looks horrible it's really not quite finished it's kind of uh, the opposite of what mine looks like right now yeah yeah exactly. i got the so, cul-de-sac and you're missing that part so i've hey, got the, i've got the fade going on but it's not a good fade well it's, look i'm getting there I've got an honest confession. When, when you first came on the video and I could see you, <laughs> no kidding in my mind, all I heard was dun na 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 dun na 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 It looks straight up vanilla ice. Man. It really does. <laughs> I, since since I, I taught on the live stream for, uh, for uh, church on Sunday, I've been told I look like Magnum P.I. Uh, I appreciated that one. That was actually pretty good. I've been told I look like someone off of uh super troopers <laughs> that's what <laughs> i thought troopers. uh i've been told i look like mario Luigi. the marlboro man and hey the marlboro man's a new one uh and and my favorite one of all is wider which is actually kind of what i'm going for. i know there i know i don't look like wider but in my mind I, i'm gonna hang on to that one yeah, here's what we need to one. do if if next year at this time we hit a million downloads we're all going to shave our beards and grow mustaches out How's that sound? I like it. I'm down. Because, <laughs> I mean, we, I think we'll do it. I think we'll do it, guys. I just – Justin Knight just texted and said we got almost 9,000 downloads on that last episode. So, that puts us well over 150,000 downloads on the last seven episodes. Wow. That's Our unreal. listeners are amazing. Yeah, It's unbelievable. It's absolutely unbelievable. And they share and, you know, you guys are telling others about it. Uh, we got a story this week from a lady named Stephanie. And she says, I don't know where to start. I just want to say thanks to you guys. A couple month ag months ago, my husband and I knew that we were going to leave our church. One of, my, one of the hubs of legalism in the IFB world right now. 
The funny thing is, after knowing this and making the decision, but still attending that church, one Sunday morning, get this, guys, one Sunday morning, the pastor brought up the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast, scoffing it. I scribbled it down on the notes because I was curious what it was. Later that week, I looked you guys up. I cannot say thank you enough for this podcast. I needed this so much at this point in my life. After breaking the news that we were leaving the church to my in-laws who also attend there, they made us start to feel guilty that we had listened to your podcast and the episodes were so good that I knew deep down we were doing what was right for our family and our two little boys. I know that the Lord has something great for us and I just wanted to let you guys know uh, and that you've really helped us. I knew my vision of God was distorted by them and the culture that we were in, but I now realize that it's going to take some time to truly see God for who he is without all my legalism that's been impounded into my brain without even realizing it. Sincerely, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for your encouragement and for the truth that you guys are displaying in this podcast. Man, that that's a blessing. Awesome. Yeah. That right there is exactly why we're doing what we're doing here on this podcast. <laughs> and we yes, got exactly. a shout out. We got a shout out from an IFB pastor. Uh, Stephanie, if you're listening, please let us know what church that is, because we I really want to know. Like, we're, well, we're, that's, we're sermon topics, boys. <laughs> that's not the first time we've been called out. Oh we no, not that. at all. No, we not got at mentioned all. at a, we got mentioned at a Bible college a while back, and they were the student body was told and forbidden to listen to our podcast. Think about that. Jewish boys couldn't read Song of Solomon, and now. Um, IFB boys can't listen to the Recovering Fundamentalist podcast. Oh, my goodness. Where are they going to start? If, 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 I, if we had written any books, then they could burn our books. Hey, Brian, they could burn your books. We need, yeah. to, uh, we need to let them know that. Hey, as long as they'll pay for it, I don't mind. They can do whatever they want to do with it. <laughs> they, Jason, they have you written any books? No, but I got a tape that I recorded when I was 16 years old that I'm trying to get burnt. So if you could buy all of those tapes, it's called Adoration. I was so chunky, man. I'm smiling. My eyes, you can't even see them. I'm sitting on, oh, I had carpenter pants on. It was the absolute worst album cover I've ever seen please. in my life. Would it's you please Adoration. post that? No, I will never post that. I don't Please. care what. I will never post it. It is so bad. And what happened was, here's the deal. Uh, Brian, you'll, I, I won the Gold City Talent Show contest down in Alabama at their homecoming thing. Ooh, nice. And so I got 50 hours of recording time at Mid-South Records down there. And so I got in. Well, I, I had no clue what the industry was like. I'm taking my soundtracks, those little green tapes, you know, that you go to Lanham's or Lifeway and buy and get in there. And I just recorded. I was like, I'm never going to record music. Let's just put my favorite songs on there. I'll never sell these. It'll be worth it. When they mastered it, they slowed it down. So my voice, so if I'm singing Amazing Grace, when it comes through, it's Amazing Grace. I am not kidding with you at all. I sound like I'm sucking on the opposite of helium. I don't know what that is, but it's terrible. It's terrible. so, So you were totally naive about Southern Gospel then. You thought they were all heterosexual. quarantine for days now <laughs> hey this uh, is coming from two southern gospel singers who have traveled with groups you, we could do a full episode on that i mean come oh, on that's way listen, to happen. We, we really you know could. i sang i sang all over the country we sang <laughs> you know to seventeen thousand plus people two times we sang with you know all those groups in concerts i can remember yes. when jay perrick would hit that huge high Ooh. note and everybody would run in 
to see, you know, if it was actually real or not. Yeah. And then, and then they would say, sing it again. And he would eat that note again, man. It was unbelievable. And by the way, there are some great people in that, in yeah, that industry, are. some great people. There's a lot that aren't. <laughs> exactly. So, it's crazy when, when, you know, we moved to Utah for three years uh, to take a church out there and in between the church here in Georgia and moving to Utah for nine months. I went back out on the road uh, with uh, Elliot McCoy, Three Bridges. I don't know if you know that group, Brian. Um, yeah, I've heard of them. So I went back out on the road with them and just <clears throat> how the industry had changed in such an interesting way. It was uh, it was eye-opening. I knew I didn't want any part of it anymore. So I love those guys, and they're all real guys. But, you know, it's kind of like this coronavirus. The, the actions of a few are making the results for everybody in certain ways, like these folks not staying inside. Dude, I drove by the Golden Corral. Dude, the Golden Corral in Fort Oglethorpe, Georgia was packed, slam full. Are you kidding me? It's a, it's it's a breeding open? ground for coronavirus. Well, until today, the mayor put an emergency order today, but it was still open like two nights ago. Wow. I drove past there. It was slam-packed. It was like, look at every redneck at Fort Oglethorpe is eating in the Golden Corral right now. It was well, unbelievable. Look, look, well, look, before we move on, I've got to ask one question for both of you guys. Shoot. What is your favorite Southern gospel song of all times? Oh, man. Of all time? Yes. I'm going to let Nate go first. <clears throat> I'm trying to think of a Southern gospel song. I can't even, I can't even think of one. It's been so long. I got two. And it, it's a, it's a, actually I got three. No, I got two. Um, so the cathedrals was always my favorite group forever. Right. More, I than, loved more than one, more than wonderful is mine. No, more you're not wonderful. allowed to have a Sandy Patty song I, as your favorite I, Southern gospel I, song. I just, I love that song. But it's not Southern gospel. That's not Southern oh. gospel. It's, oh, by the way, Sandy Patty has coronavirus. Did y'all know that? No, what? We need yeah, I just saw it. it. It said breaking news. Pray for Sandy Patty. She has coronavirus. Mm. Nuts. You got to pick another song. You cannot have Sandy Patty as your song. Okay, sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead. I'll, I'll think of another one. <laughs> I like Champion. You haven't of thought love. of one yet. Champion of Love by the Cathedrals. You stole Phil Cross. Ah. Car Carolyn Cross. Phil Cross, yeah. Yeah, he wrote that while we were at Temple Baptist, actually. Shout out. Ladies and gentlemen. May I have your attention? I got it. And the second one that is my probably. <laughs> he said they got it. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> I think I like uh, Gold City's uh, Preach the Word. Man, that song right there will make you flat out want to run. I love it. So, yep. what's your favorite? You know, I actually think um, just for fun, <laughs> I used to love to hear the Dove Brothers no. sing Get Away Jordan. No. And the only reason is because you couldn't even understand a Craig Dove when it was going forward. <laughs> like, what is he saying? Get away. Nobody I have knows. No idea to this day what the words to that song are. No, I just nobody see his does. legs kicking around. It's kind of oh, like the BG song, you know, Staying Alive. You know, that's the only two words you people. Okay, you sang Champion of Love. I can do the Bee Gees. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's that see. That sounded pretty yours, good. Did you figure yours out yet? I think, I think my favorite Southern Gospel song of all times is actually an oldie, oldie, oldie. And it was, um, it was let's see, when I thank him for what he's done. Do you remember that Dude, one? Dude, I, I sang that song when I was four years old. Yep. I, I, actually, I still remember it. I love, you know, when I thank him for what he That was my song. Done. I don't I've never heard that one. I just love it. 
Did you, you guys know around. that? Did you guys know that I was on the uh, back cover of the CLA magazine when I was four years old? Man, singing, holding the like microphone. <laughs> I knew that was that you. Was, I recognized the mustache. That was, that was my singing <laughs> career. Uh, wow, I used to I travel. I never quite made it. I never quite made it to the uh, quartet convention like you guys did. But hey, well, you you missed out. I used to travel <laughs> when I was uh, probably eleven, maybe ten. Uh, there was a missionary for Awana, approved workmen are not ashamed, uh, Frank Hobart, great man. And uh, I was kind of the uh, Awana prodigy kid. And I traveled around to all the Awana, like, leader things. And you remember that old Goodman song, Who am I that a king? I like that. One of the best. And die for. I'm up there singing the song. I have no idea what I'm talking about. And I'm up there singing that song. But that was the one. I sang that one and then some promise or some Pass the Pirate song. I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise. Hey, I, I remember that, that one too. <laughs> <laughs> so I went from like, who am I to I am a promise. It was great. Uh, <laughs> we have sung more on this episode. We need to do a full episode about legalism and music and things like that. I think that's a yeah, good Yeah, someone actually requested that this week on Facebook. There's there's been a lot of stuff on Twitter about that recently. You know, some guys teaching apparently at at what they call Bible colleges and and calling out everything that is sinful. And I'll be honest, did either one of you guys (coughs) ever have the toy stretch Armstrong? Who didn't? Yeah, I did. Well, I've I've realized a lot of these independent guys, they're like stretch Armstrong. They can stretch three miles to make something sound like it's true. It's unbelievable. He was saying things, and I'm like, you know, the Bible has to be resilient. There's no way you can bend it that badly, and it still stands up. You know, it's just, it has to be amazing. That's crazy. That's nuts. Hey, uh, this is a free one. Brian, how far is Richmond, Virginia from Danville? About two and a half hours. There's a lady, uh, excuse me, a gentleman by the name of Levi that's asking if anybody knows of a good church in Richmond, Virginia. So... If anybody listening knows of a good church in Richmond, Virginia, we got a brother by the name of Levi Goodman that's looking for one up there. So let us know. Yeah, I've got a couple that I want to. I've got a couple that I want to recommend to him. Sweet. Hey, do y'all have a story or anything that came through the yeah, I actually email this one. week on the interwebs? Read one out for us. Yeah, I have one. I'm a girl, which will be important to this story. I was 12 years old, and it was the church summer VBS. <laughs> was my first year being with the teen group. Everyone was outside and I ran back into the church to grab my purse and Bible. No one was in the church building and I didn't realize one of the teen guys had followed me in. It was then he backed me in between two pews, tried to make an inappropriate advance. I was only 12 and wore a long skirt down to my ankles and a baggy t-shirt. I didn't know what to do so I started saying uh, things like I was taught that it was not pure and it was not right, etc. That didn't stop him. Finally, I said, I had a knife that I would stab him. He stepped back for a minute, and I ran out of the church. I'm so thankful that on my 12th birthday, my dad gave me a pocket knife. Hey, that's what we need to give our daughters. Absolutely. And told me to always carry it with me. Here's the hard part. Afterwards, I didn't tell anyone, because in the IFB church I grew up in, if a woman had anything to happen to them, it was their fault. They would have to stand up in front of the whole church with an official apology. If they didn't, they were asked to leave the church. And if a woman or a girl was raped, they were expected to have a relationship with that man and to get married unless they were engaged or already married. 
of which I had heard of and seen. Because of the guilt and the trauma and not feeling like I could tell anyone, I almost committed suicide. I had everything planned out. I ended up not doing it. Thank God for that. I had something to change in my mind. To this day, I don't know how a father of three girls could preach this. Wow. Just think about that. I, I don't know how anyone could preach that either. And I just want to say to that young lady, uh, it wasn't right. And that wasn't truth. And then preaching that was not truth. And uh, I'm glad that God delivered you from that. And I'm glad you had your pocket knife way to go with the big threat there. And Absolutely. for some reason, the way you wrote that out, I think you might've meant it. Do you guys think she meant it? I think she meant it. <laughs> that was an awkward silence. <laughs> that was an awkward pause there. Nate, do you have a story to read? No. <laughs> <laughs> Brian read my story. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one thing you've got to love about this podcast. Think about the transparency. You know, you know we talk about being real, and now you guys just saw that we are totally 100% authentic um morons hey listen by the way <laughs> by the way jc you've coughed in the uh in the computer yeah, so I, know. Much, I just i just covered my mouth and you're actually on the computer <laughs> like it's I'm, not corona i promise i'm getting nervous no it's good i don't have a fever i don't have shortness of breath or none of that stuff well okay, that's good been, i was actually looking up something that a friend of mine uh sent uh, on messenger on Facebook and we grew up together, uh, not all the time, but we went to two or three major camp meetings and revivals around the country when I was a kid. And one of the ones, one of the churches we went to, uh, this girl was there and she, she reached out to me and shared her story of just, just a, a heartbreaking situation where, uh, her pastor, actually ended up running off with a lady in the church and just a really, really difficult story that impacted many lives in a negative way. And then how she and her husband stayed there for a while and there were multiple, multiple uh, situations of suspected child molestation and things like that. And they eventually left. And they, she said that they landed at a, a, a seeker, seeker friendly church, a seeker sensitive church that really wasn't, uh, you know, preaching the gospel, but they were, they, they kind of swung the pendulum from one side all the way to the other extreme and uh, eventually ended up in a reformed church and uh, just was so excited talking to me about the gospel and about how much the gospel has impacted their life and how preaching the Bible and, and he, or hearing the Bible preached rather than just preferences and talking about Bible versions and dress codes, how much it has changed her life and how much she wants to uh, be a part of helping other people that have gone through the, gone through the same situation. And she sent me this, this uh, blog that a, a, a woman actually wrote this and it says, uh, Christian blogger says that God is using the coronavirus to push women back into their homes with their children where they oh, belong. No. Oh, my. You know, that email that Brian just read, and we've talked about this many times before, one of the biggest pet peeves for me personally, as a dad, as a husband, as a pastor, is how much, I would say, emotional, mental 
abuse went on towards women and just how women women were preached about from the pulpit, how they were belittled, how they were ran down. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe in, in roles and gender roles. And I believe that God is very clear about that in the Bible. And I respect, I respect that, but a lot of what goes on in independent fundamental churches is is really bashing and belittling women, and I believe it dishonors God. And I know you guys have experienced the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I believe in complementarianism um, for sure. You know, we are equal image bearers of God. You know, we were we were all created in the image of God, and when we live into our roles, it's not degrees of importance. It's not that the man's role is more important or the woman's role is more important. It's that we complement one another in our roles. You know, even in Ephesians 5, the Bible talks about mutual submission. And it's amazing how you rarely hear about that, that we submit to God and then we submit to one another that we will live out our roles. You know, I want to thank God for women um, you know, if it weren't for a woman, I wouldn't be here. Um, and I don't think anybody else would be either the last time I checked. And, uh, you know, I thank God that that women uh, are such an important part, not only of life, but they're an important part of the church. You know, often women, man, they're, they're so in tune with God. Um, and it seems even a closer, a more intimate way. Um, women have incredible prayer lives great devotional lives. They're great leaders among the body of Christ. I just don't think you can undervalue the role of godly women. And so what actually happens is when you attack their identity, you're attacking their identity that is in Christ, uh, the, the identity that God's given them. And so we complement one another. We are equal image bearers of God. Our roles differ. And however, they are both equally important. And we're to build one another up. By the way, today is my 24th anniversary. Been married for 24 years. To the Congratulations. Same beautiful lady. And she's been putting up with me and I've been uh, driving her crazy for a long time. Actually, I really, really miss her now because we've been separated for over three weeks now. And I've, I've got a, another week to go before I can see her again. But uh, early in my marriage, an IFB pastor pulled me aside and talked to me about my wife's, my wife's, I only have one, her <laughs> submission, her submission problems. She was not submissive. And we had a, a really long conversation. And I eventually just said, look, you know, we're, we're going to agree to disagree on this. I said, but I want to ask you a question. And I was, I was 20, 21 years old. And uh, I, I didn't know anything, but I remember tell him, I said, look, I want to ask you a question. I said, what does the Bible say is the man's job? And he said, to love your wife. And I said, is that only if she submits to me? And he said, no. I said, well, then it sounds to me like my job is to love my wife and her job is to submit and respect. And everything in this conversation has been you telling me how I need to force her to submit. And, and just even as a young man, that that didn't ring right with me. And I think if men would focus on loving their wives, they would respect us a whole lot more and, and be willing to mutually submit a whole lot more than if we're trying to bash it and shove it down their throats. Well, think about it. 
men are told to love the, their wives as their wife. Let me back up there. Men are, <laughs> men are told to love their wife as Christ loved the church. And then here's the tall order and gave himself for it. Stop and think about it. If you want to see love, the greatest picture of love, the greatest demonstration of love the world's ever known, you have to look at Jesus Christ, arms spread wide, dying on a cross, literally giving every drop of blood in his body. And, and God says in his word, men, you're to love her in that way. And so I, I don't know any men who are like incredibly successful at that. Like, I don't know any men who are going to get that reward in heaven. And so, you know, until we master that, maybe we should back off a little bit on, on talking to our wives about submission, because I think a lot of men haven't loved their wife, their wife in a way that has freed her to feel safe enough to submit. There's a lot of truth to that. JC, you got a story? Yeah, we got one that, that wrote in, and uh, there's no name. Well, there is, but it said, I listen to you guys all the time. Just don't use my name. Not because I'm ashamed about what I believe, but because I hope I can successfully and eventually build a bridge out of hyper-fundy, oppressive, legalistic community without having to completely start our mission work from scratch. I wanted to share two observations that prove themselves true every time. One, the greatest undoing of any hyperfundy is when their children grow up. Kids are real and organic. They see what's real and they see what's fake and they question reality. The second is true as well. A legalist cannot even maintain their standards at times. There are always justifying their decisions. They won't go to movies, but back in the day they would rent movies from places like Blockbuster. I've never met a hyperfundy yet who didn't find a way to justify something that they have spoken or taken a stand against. <laughs> I appreciate what you all are doing. We need this. I listen all the time. We've got to build a bridge. God bless y'all. Thanks for this podcast. Wow. And he dropped some truth in that right there. And I think, yeah, I think even going back to what you guys were talking about, you know, from all of our stories, mine, mine also just seeing how, you know, the husband treats the wife, you know, I mean, a lot of this uh, coming out of it years later, you see how the husband who's the pastor treats the wife, you know, in certain ways in that submissive role and, you know, not loving like God loves us, loves the church. Uh, but it's more of that, that the kids watch that, you know, I think that's very interesting that this guy put in there, you know, the kids are real and organic. They see what's real and they see what's fake and they question reality. And I think uh, this generation, a lot of people, the reason that we're seeing this exodus, if you will, out of IFB, from the second, third generation is because they've realized this is not real. They realize that this is something that is held over me that I don't necessarily want to be a part of because it's oppressive. You're hypocritical. You, you say one thing, and that's what this dude just said. You know, we preach against movies, but we'll go rent the movie when it comes out. You know, they, they see that. And there's so many stories that we've heard where people are saying the exact same thing. Like they see preached because it's, you know, evangelist. Brian, you've talked about this, where evangelists know their audience, and so they'll say certain things to keep that offering coming and that invite back, but yet they don't necessarily believe that. They just know, you know, how to say the right thing and when to say it. Here's the deal. This generation, you were saying just a moment ago, they have a unique eye for the yeah. real. 
And I think it's because now the fake is put on display. As a matter of fact, I had a pastor tell me a couple of weeks ago that they were in a meeting. A pastor was up in the pulpit giving an illustration, and a kid was in the pew Google searching him, fact checking him in real time. And the thing he was telling wasn't even true. And yep. there was a time, you know, when you could get up and, you know, just say outlandish things yeah. and, and people just accepted it as truth. You know, that's one of the things, one of the greatest tools of independent Baptist fundamentalism is ignorance. Yeah. You know, if you can keep people ignorant, you can keep them loyal. Because they'll believe and, whatever you say. Yes. And that's why separation has to be preached so intensely because Man. If, if we can keep you from encountering other people. Hey, I had a pastor tell me recently, listen to this, JC. This is a grown man. I'm not going to call his name because I don't have permission to. He grew up in one of the biggest independent Baptist churches in the nation. And this is what he said. He, he's probably well into his mid-40s or a little later. He just recently realized that Southern Baptist guys love Jesus. He had actually believed his whole life that they were just reprobates, man, that they were, yeah. they were absolute heretics. And he said, you know, I've now encountered these Southern Baptists who are being a blessing to me, and they're loving me, and they're praying with me. And man, years ago, or even last year, I would have thought that they were the enemy, you know, that we were declaring war against them. And so separation is preached because think about this there is power in isolation yeah. now please no one think that i'm making this comparison okay because this will light the emails up i'm sure I, i'm not making a, a comparison there's a reason david koresh and those like him take people to a compound because isolation it's an opportunity for a great power grab in people's lives it's a great opportunity to limit information. And when that comes from one voice, and it's an echo chamber, when everybody says the same thing, surely it must be true. And so I, I just think that's true. Well, I mean, I watched a, a clip on Twitter today of a pastor who is not closing their school. And they're not, there's a pastor that's not closing their church during all this, because they're saying that this is a government <laughs> takeover. <laughs> hey, there's a mute button. Um, there's a, they're saying that, you know, they're not doing this because there's a government takeover. They're trying to, it's religious freedom and all this. And he goes on, he says, I am the one that tells us what we do. I listen to God. I lead this church. I'm the one that does this. And so there is that mentality of this is my, uh, you know, church. These are my people. You come here. We're going to clean it. We're going to do all that. The government doesn't tell us what to do. We tell you what to do. And so there is that type of mentality. Well, I know right now we need to be praying for, uh, for Kenny Baldwin. Yeah. And, um, you know, while Kenny is definitely in a different, I don't like to use language like this, but in a different circle than we are, um, you know, Kenny last Sunday didn't realize that he had COVID-19 yeah. and, and he preached in his church. And then, you know, he went to preach a revival. I understand it was in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, in a church that has a, a large group of, of older people didn't realize he had COVID-19. And uh, while we pray for Kenny's, um, you know, complete recovery, uh, we pray that God raises him up. And um, we certainly hope that happens soon. You know, it just lets us know that we can, without even being aware, be exposing people 
And uh, we need to give thought to that. Yeah, I read something earlier today. You know, you brought up that word expose with corona. And this, this is really good. It said that we've all been exposed, not necessarily to the virus. Maybe, who knows? But we've all been exposed by the virus. Get this, guys. It says corona is exposing us, exposing our weak sides, exposing our dark sides, exposing what normally lays far beneath the surface of our souls, hidden by the invisible mask that we wear. Now exposed by paper masks that we can't hide far enough behind. Corona is exposing our addiction to comfort, our obsession with control, our compulsion to hoard, our protection to sh of self. Corona is peeling back our layers, tearing down our walls, revealing our illusions, leveling our best laid plans. Corona is exposing the gods we worship, our health, our hurry, our sense of security, our favorite lies, our secret lust, our misplaced trust. Corona is calling everything into question. What is the church without a building? What is my worth without an income? How do I plan without certainty? How do we love despite risk? Corona is exposing me, my mindless numbing, my endless scrolling, my careless words, my fragile nerves. We've all been exposed. Our junk laid bare, our fears made known, the band-aid torn, the masquerade done. So what now? What's left? Clean hands, clear eyes, tender heart. What's Corona revealed is that God can heal. Come Lord Jesus, have mercy on us all. You know, I read that earlier today and I was like, man, that, that's where it is because our identity, a lot of who we are, a lot of the foundation that we're building our life on has kind of been shaken right now. And, yes. you know, with, with, while this virus, while we're sitting here in three different areas, you know, I'm an extrovert to the hilt. I believe you two are too. You know, I, I just want to get on our golf cart while I walk my dog and drive around the neighborhood just to see neighbors and wave at people. And by the way, we've put our Christmas lights up because we're going back to Christmas time because there's holly jolly Christmas here at the house. Uh, but, <laughs> Did you ever take your Christmas lights down? We'll let you be the judge of that. Because that doesn't <laughs> count as putting it back up, <laughs> We did, we did, but we put it back up. But I think what's happening right now is, is we're all exposed in some level. It's easy to quote 2 Timothy 1.7. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But deep underneath that level, that, that even as pastors, and let's just be real, because that's what we are on this, this podcast, is, you know, even underneath the layer of pastor, there is a level of unknown. There is a level of when are we going to get back to church in a, in a building with other people? When we do, are, are folks going to get their jobs back? You know, are tides going to come back? Are, are we going to be able to keep the lights on at the church? You know, a lot of our listeners are pastors and leaders and, and people that depend on the tithe of others from a church. And, you know, there's a lot of fear in, in the unknown. And I don't think that's, it's wrong to ask God why. I think it's when it switches to doubt that he is good and that he is perfect in all of his ways that it starts exposing what's really inside of us. Because faith at the core, if we really do believe that God is in control, even though the outside, what God is doing in us, I believe is more important than what's going on around us right now. And I've always said this, and I'll say it again, that he is working right now. He's behind the scenes, but I believe he's doing things that we're unaware of that one day we're going to benefit from. I really do believe a revival is coming, and right now he's pulling away all of these things that we have been self-proclaiming and building our lives on for a purpose, and that is to make it where it's all about him. And I believe that's kind of where we're heading again. Would you all agree with that or disagree? Yeah, that's that's a great perspective, man. And I, I thought about a, a Andy Stanley sermon that I saw years ago. I'm sure you guys have seen this. 
where he had a pink cup and or, or a cup filled up with like blue BBs and a, a cup filled up with pink BBs. And he, he picked them up and he, he shook one of them and he said, you know what came out of this cup? He said, what was inside of it? And he shook the other one and the different color BBs came out. He said, when you shake something, what's inside of it comes out. And when anger or fear or uh, sickness shakes our lives, then the things that come out shouldn't surprise us because those are the things that are on the inside of us the whole time. And, And you're right. That has a way of exposing who we are, which is what God really cares about. He cares a lot more about who we are and our character than he does about what we're doing for his kingdom. I think if our faith is built on him, like you said, when the pressure is on, when life puts on the squeeze, what's in us will come out, like you just said. And I mean, I go back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I mean, here they are at one of the most incredible pressure-filled moments and what comes out of them. Our God can save us. Our God will save us. But even if, we're still not going to bow. When the pressure was on, they said, hey, God can. And if he doesn't, he will. But even if, we're still not going to bow. You know. And I'm like, man, when the pressure was put on, these boys, faith came out of them. I have, a, I have a confession to make. Uh, one of the things that is coming out of a lot of people that once they're being shaken and being squeezed is uh, conspiracy theories. How many oh, uh, really good conspiracy theories are you seeing out there? I'm seeing a, a, a YouTube video that one of my friends posted on Facebook, and it says, Bill Gates, with quotes, microchip vaccine implants to fight coronavirus. So this is the mark of the beast. <laughs> but I guess that makes Bill Gates the antichrist. I don't know. Dude, they're saying there's all kinds, like the Tom Hanks and his wife, like they don't really have it, but there's so, like, there's so many conspiracy theories. Illuminati, right baby. It's crazy. And I think what happens is we're so used to having tangible things to hold on to that we got to find a reason behind why this is happening right now. And why is that so intoxicating for people to think they have the inside scoop, the inside story? They know something that nobody else knows. I mean, Comfort. conspiracy theories are uh, so many people subscribe to them for for some reason. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, Nathan. One thing I would love to hear you uh, maybe talk out a little bit. You know, JC, you've been held up in the house with your family, and uh, you know. By the way, I wish everybody could hear the story. About last week, uh, JC's little daughter, she's precious. Uh, they call her Sissy, and I already love Sissy like crazy. But she woke her daddy up wanting to go to Waffle House. And uh, JC said he thought, you know, okay, I'll take her to Waffle House. They got in the Jeep and were backing out of the driveway. He looked down and it was 3 a.m. <laughs> Unbelievable, man. <laughs> and, that was awesome. And Sissy said, you know, daddy, I can't help it. I'm hungry. I can't wait. <laughs> We went on to Waffle House. You bet your sweet bippy we did. By the way, JC, I really admire you for that. You'll never forget that. One day, she will tell her kids. She will never forget that. Yeah, yeah, she will tell her kids the story about uh, about you you two going to Waffle House at three a.m. But but you know you're you're held up with your family. Yeah, I've been you know at the house a lot more with my family and not being around people. And you know we've been we do this usually, but it's even been better eating meals together. Every Man, we've had, we've had cornbread every way you can think of it. Come on. Denise has cooked every kind of bean imaginable. Same. But, um, but, you know, Nathan, I want to hear you share because you've been in a hotel room. You went on a missions trip 
for the sake of the gospel, to honor and glorify God for the sake of the gospel. And now, for the first time ever, you missed your daughter's birthday. And now, for the first time ever, you missed your anniversary. Can, can you just expound on that a little bit? Like, where are you emotionally? And what is God doing for you through that? Because, man, I've got to be honest. I love you like a brother. And my heart breaks for you. Like, I wish I could come there and rescue you from that room. And, and, and yet, that's not what's best right now. Can you talk through that? Yeah, man, absolutely. I appreciate you bringing that up. And it's, uh, it's something that I'm processing day by day because uh, this is not my sweet spot. Being in a room by myself is, you, you said I was an extrovert. Uh, I think there's probably a level above that where I'm at because uh, I, I love being around people all the time and especially my family. I love seeing my family. I tuck my girls in at night and I pray with them, read them a Bible story and, and the nights that I don't get to do that if I'm preaching or traveling or whatever, I, I really, really miss that. And uh, being with my wife and man, this is out of my comfort zone in, in many, many different ways. But we talk a lot of times about the cost of the gospel and sharing the gospel. And the things that happened on this missions trip, they were huge. And I was able to share just very briefly on the last episode. And I really didn't even scratch the surface. And we don't have time on, on this one. But uh, the things that happened and the, the momentum that, took place in Nepal with the missionaries and the pastors there and just the things that God did. The enemy fought against it all the way. I barely made it back home. And uh, now I'm going through this, but you know what? The gospel is worth it. And I believe wow. it with all of my heart that any sacrifice that we make for the kingdom is worth it. And when I was on the phone with my daughter on her birthday a couple of days ago on the 20th and uh, she was crying and we were FaceTiming together, and then I started crying, man, it's hard, and my wife had to FaceTime me when they sang happy birth to, birthday to her, and she blew her candles out, and then, you know, today's my anniversary, and it, it, is, it is hard, and it's hard to uh, be in seclusion, but you know what? I'm surrounded by friends that love me, my family, my, my wife sent, cooked me dinner today, and uh, oh, sent the awesome. girls down here, and this is the first time I've seen them in three weeks in person, and uh, I opened the door. They were standing down the hall, and I got to talk to them from a little bit of a distance. But, uh, man, God is good, and I cannot wait until Sunday when I can go home and hug my family and uh, be with them. I know it's worth it, but it's not easy. Yeah. Has God, has God revealed some things to you while you've been there? Um, have you had sweeter fellowship with him or – has missing your family and your way of life, has it been like of greater difficulty to even focus? I mean, just, you know, if you could be honest about that, because I know when I was on a missions trip in Africa, you know, man, I was there to reach people, but there came a point when I was so homesick that all I could think about was getting home. You know, all I could think about was my family, um, which really made my heart go out to those who are protecting our freedom and they're deployed Oh yeah. You know, for months and months and months. And it, it really imagine. Me a selfishness, you know, um, my first cousin has been on three tours, four tours of duty away from his wife and, and four kids. And for, you know, four or five years now at, you know, not all at once, but over time and, you know, even having a purple heart and, 
being in a vehicle that was blown up and then in a hospital and unable yeah. to get to his family. But, but, you know, people go through different things, but that doesn't make what you're going through lessened. You know, someone else's problem being greater doesn't make, mean that your problem's non-existent. Yeah. Yeah. And to answer your question, it's, I have had to be, I've had to stay busy and I have stayed very busy and had to focus. And it's one of the things I've been praying about this, the isolation time is that God would use this time in my life to get me in a better routine of uh, waking up at a certain time, reading my Bible at a certain time, journaling and doing some other things in my life. So this is an understatement, but God has been trying to wake me up. And when mm. you look at the, the missions trip, that was very hugely impactful in my life. And then the whole coronavirus thing, being separated from my family and then being in two weeks of, of quarantine, God is screaming into my life right now. And uh, I, I think he is into, into everyone's life in our nation. All the things we're going to, if you're not hearing God right now, if you're not waking up right now, then, then that really scares me for, for where we're at because uh, God is speaking to us. And uh, I just pray that, that all of these experiences, especially all together, and we're really not even through it yet, but I'm praying that these things will drive us closer to him. And yeah, Brian, it has definitely uh, done that in my life. And I pray that God continues to work through these things. Man, I pray that too. And you know, one of the things I've been thinking about, Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount that we're not to live for earthly things, that everything earthly is temporary. Everything earthly is going to pass away. You know, Bill Gates, you mentioned him a moment ago, and not to uh, cough up. Uh, <laughs> that was for you guys, but not to cough up <laughs> a conspiracy theory about Bill Gates. But, you know, one day his money will be taken away. You know, Kevin O'Leary, who talks about his money as if it's a baby and he's going to protect it and tuck it in and love it. You know, one day it's going to be taken away. And I love in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus goes on to say, you know, when you're not living for earthly things and you're seeking first the kingdom of God, he says then, don't be anxious. You know, when we really understand that, that he is our everything, that, you know, when Jesus is all you have, you realize Jesus is all you need. Yeah. When we realize that, we don't have to be bound um, by anxiety. And, and so I just want to pray that and wish that for everybody who's listening to this podcast. Nathan, thank you for being a great testimony to that. Thank you, Brian. Hey, Nate, will you wrap us up in prayer? Absolutely. I'd love to. Father, I thank you so much for all that you are teaching us through these times. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would be open to you and to your word and to the, to the voice of the Holy Spirit through this situation. God, it's, it's easy to uh, look at everybody else and look at other denominations and to talk about where we see other people missing it. But Lord, I know that every one of us in our own lives uh, are missing it in some areas. And God, I just pray that you would reveal those areas to us. And I pray that this time of difficulty, this time of seclusion and separation, I pray that it would not be wasted. Lord, I pray that this would be a time of revival, a time of awakening. Lord, show us how little the things of this world mean without you. Lord, you've given us some amazing gifts, and we thank you for the prosperity that you've blessed this nation with. But God, without you, it's, it's worthless. Without the gift giver, the gifts mean nothing. So Lord, I mm -hmm. pray that 
this will be a time of, of personal renewal and revival. And that, uh, Lord, yes, our nation would, would come back closer to you and that the gospel would, would be a, a more powerful voice and that people would listen with uh, open ears in this time. And Lord, I do ask you for healing. Lord, I do ask you for uh, the people who are suffering in the hospitals and, and the ones who are having to have surgeries and not being able to go back with their loved ones and pastors not being able to visit in the hospitals. Lord, I pray that you would uh, bring this to a quick end if that is your will. And Lord, if, if it's your will for it to go on for a while, I pray that you would just help us to trust you and that you would purify us and refine us through this process. God, you are good. And we acknowledge that you've given us so much more than we deserve. And God, I just pray that you would use our lives as brothers and as husbands and as pastors and everyone that's listening, whatever roles they fill, Father, I pray that you would use us in those roles to spread your name and to glorify you and for the uh, good of the kingdom. And Father, I pray that you would just uh, teach us what it is that you want us to learn individually in this time. And God will be careful to give you all the glory and all the praise because you deserve every bit of it. And it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. 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 Hey, we want to thank you for tuning in and listening. And uh, we would not uh, have an audience without you. <laughs> that's a given right there. We that's wouldn't have the an audience without that's, our audience. That's the dumbest thing I've ever said, but we're going to leave it in. So, <laughs> hey, oh, during, this time, during this time. Casey, of, you're so deep. <laughs> I feel so stupid right now. Anyhow, hey, during this time of quarantine, it's a great opportunity to share the podcast, to let somebody know about it. Click share on one of our social media pages. Um, leave us a review over at the Recovering Fundamentals. <laughs> <Y'all. laughs> hey, you know what this reminds <laughs> We wouldn't have an audience without the audience. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Hey, and they, I want to take it to the next level. They wouldn't have hosts. If it weren't for us, <laughs> <laughs> y'all remember y'all remember that that story a couple years back where that guy was up preaching about Rahab and how he pinched his tents toward the east, but he said the oh, wrong yeah. thing and everybody just he's like, man, stop laughing. That's what I felt like just then. I was gonna go on. I wasn't gonna let that <laughs> in. But oh man, but hey, this is a great opportunity right now to share the podcast, get it out to somebody that needs it, shoot it to them in an email, uh, go to the website recoveringfundamentalist.org and uh, you can download the content there leave us a review go on to itunes thank you for all those that have done it leave us a five star if you leave one just go ahead and bother not leaving a review but uh, leave us a good review and uh we'll be thankful for that so hey i love this this is great i i enjoy getting with you guys and chatting and uh, hopefully we'll be able to do this in person in the studio i'm missing it i'm missing it too so hey y'all have fun i'll uh see you on the other side yeah man love you man love you guys take care this has been an rfp extra check back next week for a full recovering fundamentalist podcast join us on social media instagram facebook and twitter visit our website recoveringfundamentalist.org t-shirts available now